Welcome to Help 100 Schools. As a professional in education dedicated to expanding enrollment, you're already a fundamental part of this movement. We are here together to amplify the positive ripple effect that comes from advancing education. We're committed to keeping listeners inspired with timely lessons, valuable stories, and insights from brilliant minds and dedicated hosts. Our mission is a collective effort. Together, let's make a difference in spirit and in action to help 100 schools grow. Miriam, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Yeah, of course. It is my pleasure. Love chatting with you. Likewise. So excited to do this. So we got to meet at a private school event and we got into this conversation that I thought was going around personality types and you sort of took it in this interesting direction. And I thought, you know what, we really need to talk more about this. I see a lot of value. So I don't want to mess up the vernacular and I want to give a proper introduction to you, but I'd like to hear your title. So uh, what is this topic? Neat, sure. So my name is Miriam Stein, and I am the founder and chief strategist at Saddle Rock Strategies, which is a consulting, a boutique consulting outfit that works with schools on enrollment strategy. And I work with any company on organizational health and internal communication and collaboration style. And what we were talking about that day is the six types of working genius. And that is a model for workplace productivity that I learned about. It's put out by the table group. Many people know the book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, or Death by Meeting is a favorite. So the the person who wrote those books is named Patrick Lanchoni, and he founded this organization called The Table Group out in the Bay Area in California. He is the kind of the the guru of taking the complexities of interpersonal relationships and challenges and invisible walls that people bump into at work and saying, hey, here are ways that we can overcome them in really simple and applicable ways. So a lot of what I do is work with nonprofits and schools on figuring out how to work more efficiently and bring more joy to what they do. So that's the topic. Love it. Thank you. (laughs) That's great. I mean, I get really excited about the topic in general and talking about ways that we can help understand ourselves and understand our position in teams in order for us all to be more productive, I think is this really interesting internal external exploration that gives value on all sides of the spectrum. So uh, very cool. Really excited to get into it with you. Let's talk briefly about how your past led you to this topic. Sure. Yeah. So I'm an educator by training. I've always loved kind of like helping people get excited about things. I was taught high school history. Uh, I loved working with teens. I loved getting them excited about their identity and like how they fit into the chain of things. My dream job actually was to be a high school principal. That's what I wanted to do. And after teaching for many years, Someone at a school, I worked in a private independent school, and someone said to me, you should really do admissions work if you want to be a principal, because working in admission, you'll really understand how the other side of the house works, not just what happens in the classroom, but like how the classrooms get built. And I said, with a giant caveat now, but I said at the time, foolishly and naively, 
I said, isn't admissions just tours? Like, why would I do that? <laughs> Boy, do I know now that that's not the case. I did some research. I talked to people. I said, oh, I think I like getting people excited about schools and, and good things. So I ended up getting a job at Charles E. Smith Jewish Day School, which is a K-12 school in the Washington, D.C. area, about a thousand students. I got the job there to be the upper school admission director. And boy, did I get an education in how sophisticated, complex, multifaceted is the world of admissions in terms of marketing and analysis and tracking and being savvy and connecting with people. And I did that for a long time. And then the job of of high school principal was open at that school. And I said, oh my God, this is my shot. I'm going to shoot my shot. I know your listeners can't see me, but I'm, I am a little young to be a high school principal. And it was too early in my career. And I applied for the job and my head of school was super supportive. And I was in the semifinal round and I didn't get that job. And I was devastated, but it was truly a blessing in disguise because I realized one of the reasons I didn't get the job was I didn't have experience outside of that school. And I said to myself, how can I like get experience with other schools, but not attach myself to one school? And that pushed me to open a consulting practice where I worked with multiple schools around the country, which has been really wonderful, especially because what started out as kind of a selfish venture ended up in a much, much different place. I, through working with many different schools around the country, I realized there's this real lack of professional skills training that school administrators just don't have. And they, you know, were maybe a really good teacher, got promoted to department chair, to principal, and maybe even ahead of school. But gosh, there is such a lack of training around supervision and management and communication. And they're so busy, nobody has time to read those books that would be helpful. So I started to immerse myself in this field and have found that it is incredibly helpful for people to have shared language around how to work best together. And that's what the working genius model provides. It's not rocket science. Like it is not something that you don't know. It's just something you know, but you don't have language to attach to it. So it just generates frustration of why does this person act like this? Why don't they do this? Once you understand a little more how they work best, what makes them tick and what makes you tick, you're able to say, oh, I understand this and this is how I can attack this issue in a way that makes us both feel productive and reduces frustration. And it's been remarkable how it really, really helps teams. Love it. So that's a great segue into uh, what is the six types of working genius. You know, let's get into it okay. a little bit. Yeah, I know it's a little clunky when you first start to learn about it, but people listening, I really encourage you to check it out. There's phenomenal podcasts on it and a book. The idea is this. There are six different ways in which we approach tasks, everyone. There's, and Carl, you can see this behind me, but I'll spell it out people. So it starts with people. There are people who wonder, just people who have questions like, what might it be like if we used audio technology to get information out to people? Like, could we develop a podcast that might help people, right? Just like wondering and asking questions. And then there are people who are part of, you know, work might be coming up with ideas like, yeah, let's come up with a podcast. Let's come up with a goal. Let's help a hundred schools, right? Like there are people who are constantly coming up with ideas. The next approach is discernment. So people with D or discernment are refining ideas like, oh, should we try to help a hundred schools? Oh, should we like, is that really the right way to go? They're always like refining ideas. They're the people who say like, was that really the right way to end that movie? They're refining ideas. And I bet, you know, people like that who are just like, mm, was that the right thing to do? 
And then once you've gone through this brainstorming, you've wondered what might be, you've invented ideas to go with it, you've discerned what might be good, bad way to approach, then we move to G, galvanizing. That's number four. So galvanizers are not necessarily interested in the brainstorming and refinement of an idea, but as soon as you bring it to them, they're all in. They're going to get other people excited about it. Once you have galvanizers, then you need foot soldiers, and that's E, enablement. People who are just like, I'm ready to help. What do I do? And then finally, the sixth type of working genius is T or tenacity, which is people who just love to attention to detail. They love to take things over the finish line. I once worked with a CEO who said, I love opening my email Monday morning and looking back at unanswered email from the previous week and reminding my staff about it. And I was like, wow, that is tenacity. She loves to be super detail oriented. And I can only imagine how her staff feels about it. Once we had language to put to it, though, we could easily identify that it's not micromanaging, but it is her tenacity that drives her to be super detail oriented like that. So the idea is every one of us has two of these working geniuses that bring joy and energy where we say, I can't believe I get paid to do this. And there are two of them that are working frustrations that we can do them. We're all successful, capable professionals. Like we do them, but gosh, they're draining or they're the thing you look at your to-do list and you're like, "Hmm, I'm not going to do that today. So for example, I'll make this very real for you. My working geniuses are G and E, galvanizing and enablement. I love to get people excited about what they do and I'm number one to help. I don't have to work on it. Like it's not something that I strive to do. It's just how I'm wired. And it brings me a lot of joy and energy. So my work now helping schools is like, can't believe I get paid to do this. I love it. There are other people who love to sit and wonder. And if you can identify that's my working genius and give them a job where they get paid to do that, like how much fun is that? And give them joy and energy, reduce frustration, reduce burnout. So those are the six types of working genius. And like in a very quick snapshot, those are the ways that they can help people at work. If you can recognize what brings you joy and energy and what your working geniuses are, like why not build a team around that? Powerful. And how is this uncovered? Is there some kind of a quiz? I bet everybody listening is like, I want that quiz. Right. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Call me. No, no, no. It's on the there internet, you guys. You just okay, you go to workinggenius.com. You, yeah. So it is an online assessment that I think you pay 20, 25 bucks for it. And you take the online assessment. It takes about 10, 15 minutes to do. The key to remember is you have to think about what gives me joy and energy, not what is my job require of me when you're taking that assessment. But here's the thing. You may be thinking and you may be rolling your eyes at like, oh, but we did other online assessments. Like we've done the Myers-Briggs. We've done the DISC. We, I know I'm a purple. I do the Enneagram. I'm a two. All of those are valid and provide information what I love about the six types of working genius is that it is plain English and very immediately applicable. The disc is like 75 pages in the report. Like I know I'm an ENTJ. I don't even know what that means, but I know what galvanizing and enablement. And I know what tenacity means. So it's very accessible and it's immediately concrete. And when I do trainings with schools, they're immediately using it and find it remarkably helpful. Outstanding. Well, gosh, what another great segue. Could you give us a story about a school that you've worked with that has used this and have enjoyed the results? 
Or maybe they didn't enjoy the results and that was part of the story and why it's valid. Let's see. No, only success stories, only success stories. I will tell you what's really neat is as part of the process, when I work with teams, we each individual takes the assessment and and you understand what is what motivates you individually. And what we do is we map it out in a team map. So you can see like where are the heavy weighted areas, where are the gap areas. And something that's really powerful is one time I was working with the school and the head of school didn't have wonder or invention. And it was embarrassing at first. He was like, I'm so embarrassed. I'm supposed to be the visionary and I don't have wonder and invention. And he was a DG. So he had discernment and galvanizing. And I said, yeah, but your job is to make decisions and to rally people, to fundraise. Like you can rely on other people to maybe do the strategy, the vision. That's okay. But look at what's required of you. And he recognized and identified in that moment such a sense of relief that the like strategic thinking was something that was always kind of stressful for him. And he kind of had like, talk about imposter syndrome. It's like, I never felt good in that space. And now I know why. He's like, I questioned if I should be head of school. Now I'm not questioning that. I'm just recognizing what gives me joy and energy and where I need to look for others and say, hey, can I think this through with you? Because I know you are wonder. And that was like a really beautiful, powerful moment of this person who was like a beautiful leader, but now that he had language to give to something that was a shadow of a doubt in his mind, he could quiet it or he could actually spotlight it and say, hey, I see you fear moment of not having, you know, strategic vision and saying, this is how I'm going to work with it. Yeah, yeah. he learned his leadership role. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so those kinds of things work. And I I love getting, as when I work with a team, I always set up like accountability sessions because whenever you go to a conference, there's all that like excitement and I'm going to change the world. And this is how, because I just went to a 90 minute session and then you get back to work and it's like, oh, right. I have a mountain of email to deal with. After I work with a team, I always have like a few months of accountability check-in sessions and Again and again and again, school leaders will tell me how they're using the language, they're using the outlook and hiring. They've shared it with their HR director and like, can you help us write a job description, keeping this in mind? We know what our team map looks like and we know who we need to balance it out. Like, how helpful is that? We can ask different interview questions to help suss that out. Like, yeah. Knowing who you need, that really is powerful. Knowing who you need from the lens of, these types that's i'm gonna have to you know just ruminate on that you know that's such a great concept to be hiring to for a fit of the personality types with what you need and what's going to be the best force multiplier within your team extraordinary right and also recognizing if someone on your team is struggling they talk about this in the book the book is a fable by the way and and probably if you're like a Fairly good reader, you can read it in two hours or less. It's a fable. It's very readable and accessible. And in the book, there's a character who's like a young associate and he's really struggling and he's questioning if he should be in this field at all. And they say, they basically identify that he's doing the wrong type of work for him. And if we just kind of reassign you to this type of work and like then all of a sudden he's flourishing because they recognize that even within your team, you might not need to let someone go because they're not successful. Like I'll give you another example, tenacity, that detail-oriented, take it over the finish line thing. Yes. People who have it get super frustrated with people who don't have it because it's like, 
Are they lazy? Like, why didn't they pay attention to detail? They keep missing this. They keep missing this. Well, like, no, they're not lazy. They're like, they're really hard workers. They're really smart. We know that. We fell in love with their personality, but we've given them work that is just not suited to who they are. So either figure out how to compensate for it, but they're never going to be good at it, or give that part of the task to somebody else and give who loves it and give this to somebody else. There's ways to move around your people internally to make your team really productive and high energy and high morale, low turnover, like what more do managers want and what more do schools want? You nobody got time to deal with turnover. No, that's right. Well, let's talk about what the future could look like if we implemented this and where you would like this to go in the future. I think I really would love to bring this model to independent school leadership teams and have this be the vernacular that they use in working with each other. Because I, if only more and more schools use this, they could be as high-functioning, productive, successful as for-profit companies. There's no reason that schools that are full of brilliant, committed people have to feel like they're stretched so thin. And I think part of it is they're very fueled by passion, but they're often running on fumes of not having enough time in the day to do everything. And if they had ways to just create efficiencies and stronger communication, I think that the the output and affecting our children could just be so magnified. So my dream is to bring this to every school in the country. And I, I could never work with every school in the country, but gosh, anyone listening out there who wants to work with other schools, like I will be so happy to, to work with you also. But that's really my dream. And I'm really happy to say I'm working with some national organizations like school organizations, consortia, who are starting to to drip this out and introduce it. So I don't want to say anything yet because nothing's like solid, solid. But hopefully in the coming weeks and months, you'll see if you follow me on social media, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Instagram, that um, I'll be speaking on this topic with some national organizations to start to drip this to some heads of school and senior leadership professionals. And then let's do like a retrospective study and see how effective it is. Yes, absolutely. Oh, I'm excited. Well, let's make it happen. Let's help 100 schools to start. Let's do it. (laughs) Fantastic. Okay. Well, this, this has been so fun. So you mentioned Instagram, LinkedIn as good place to get to know you and connect with you. Let's be more specific. And I think that you, so is it at Miriam Stein? For both? It's at Saddle Rock Strategies. So Saddle Rock is, it's that's all one word, Saddle Rock and then strategies. We're going to strategize how to help you with your school. That is my Instagram. And on LinkedIn, I'm Miriam Stein. I, I think you can find me there. It's S-T-E-I-N. Perfect. But and we'll, we'll get that link. He knows how to find me too. Yes, that's right. We'll get you linked in the show notes at help100schools.com. And uh, if there are any other links you want to add, we'll add those as well. Miriam, thank you so much for being on the show today. I want to thank you for this conversation. I get really excited about Working Genius because I think it has such powerful impact. And I just want more people to know about it. And I just thank you, Carl, for going down this journey with me too. My pleasure. I'll look forward to the next opportunity as well. Absolutely. We are grateful for your support of the Help 100 Schools movement. Thank you for listening and for showing up. Now, please help us multiply the impact by reviewing, sharing, commenting, and staying engaged with us and our mission to help 100 schools grow. 
The future of education is in your hands. To learn more about today's topics, how to be more involved, and how to access our free resources designed to aid in your own mission, go to help100schools.com.